Alabama had a scrimmage on Saturday. We talked about it yesterday, but man, it's football and it's a scrimmage and it's Alabama. So we're going to keep talking about it. Hang with us. You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey again, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, as him. want to thank LinkedIn for sponsoring this podcast. They're great people. Uh, we'll be talking about them in just a bit. Jimmy, we want to continue to talk about the scrimmage. Um, and th- there's been – hadn't been a lot come out from it. Now, you may know a little more now because you are uh, privy to stuff. But um, I thought – Saban had some interesting comments about the offensive line. Also thought uh, John Talty from Bama 24-7 had some interesting thoughts about three things. I know three things, I think. We will talk about that as well. We'll also get to some recruiting talk about five guys who could commit to Alabama next, which is a feature on Bama Online. Um, But really quickly, uh, AL.com had an article by Matt Stahl, and the comments from Nick Saban, this is on the offensive line. He said, it's inconsistent, not enough depth. Uh, He said, we had a couple of explosive runs, but when you're playing against each other, was the explosive run because of great execution or because of terrible execution on the other side? Until you watch the film, it's hard to evaluate. And and that's something we say in a spring game every year, right? We're always like, man, we hope so-and-so does so well. And then we're like, well, if he does well, that means the other guy kind of stunk it up. You you almost want it to be like a movable force versus irresistible. Wait a minute, irresistible force, a movable object, where both things are just sort of, you know. Anywho, um, the other thing this ties in with is what I was talking about when it comes to um, to John Talty's article. He said he believes uh, Darian Dalcourt will be the odd man out when it comes to the offensive line. Um, And and I can see that being the case, even though I really like Dalcourt as a player. He easily could be, although I would say, you know, one plus, I'm sure it's not a plus to Darian, who would love to be a starter, as this is kind of his audition for the NFL year. So he would like to be starting. But one plus for the team and for us fans is Darian serves really well as the sixth guy because he can play three interior spots because of his experience. He can play left guard. He can play center. He can play right guard. So the fact that you can bring Dalcourt in off the bench to sub in for any of the three interior spots is great. And then it's just a matter of who's going to be the sub, you know, at tackle. And uh, right now, I mean, obviously, and since you have three players vying for the two spots, uh, you know, your odd man out there can be your your tackle sub if you don't rotate. And obviously those three players, by the way, are J.C. Latham and Caden Proctor, who uh, apparently per uh, reports and whispers were the starters on Saturday. Uh, Latham at right tackle, Caden Proctor at left tackle. That would leave Elijah Pritchett as odd man out at tackle. And of course, he could sub at either spot for sure because he has spent the spring and the fall at left tackle, but spent last year playing some at right tackle. So he, he's, he's played both tackle spots, which is typical because Alabama does cross train. Nick Saban has brought that up a couple times. So uh, you know, I, I like the makeup of this offensive line. Blows me away that Caden Proctor could be a true freshman starter game one. Could be far from official, but he could be. 
And oh, wow, what a sign for, for his future. And how about this, Luke? Not only if Caden Proctor starts at left tackle, the first thing to talk about is, wow, a true freshman starting at left tackle at Alabama. That's incredible how, how this kid must be a freak, which is true. But how about this stat or this fact? Both tackles at Alabama, both of them weigh over 355 pounds. And I'm not talking about that in terms of like they're too heavy or they're too big. They carry it great. I think they're in that range purposefully because they play really well at that size. Just massive, massive starting tackles for Alabama uh, if that holds Proctor on the left side, Latham on the right side. And as we know, Tyler Booker uh, and Terrence Ferguson, uh, both well over 300 pounds starting the guard spots. Poor Seth McLaughlin down there struggling to hit 300, but he's he's right around that 300 mark. He he looks tiny in comparison to his to his teammates. So this is a big offensive line. Couldn't have happened at a better time for Alabama and their offense because look, we're about to talk about quarterback. I'm sure it's my favorite subject today. Is is the quarterback situation in Alabama? Um, you know, the first thing you want to do is take pressure off of that spot. It, it would be insane for Alabama to go into the season going, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to throw it 45 times. We're not changing a thing. We're running the Bryce offense. Uh, we're just going to we're going to round whole square peg the, the new quarterback and make him run Bryce's stuff. First of all, Bill O'Brien and the Bryce Young offense have both moved to the NFL. Bryce and Bill are gone, replaced by Tommy Reese who's coming with two tight ends and committed to running the ball. Okay, that's what he's showing up. And he couldn't be here at a better time because the personnel lines up just for it. Look, this is going to be run heavy, uh, I think, if especially if it's Jalen Milrow. It, it is going to be everybody's wanted to run the damn ball, and now that's exactly what you're going to get. Uh, I, I think there's going to be a lot of running the ball, and, uh, and you've just got the right time for it. The key will be, and this will frustrate fans all year long because this will be the work in progress Luke Luke we're going to run the ball Alabama's going to run the ball with Jalen Miller at quarterback the other team is going to over defend the run we are going to see stacked boxes uh, one primary reason is the other team's going to use an inside linebacker to spy Milrow so a safety's going to have to play up to replace that inside linebacker's responsibility in the run game so we're going to be playing against eight or even nine man boxes the challenge will be, how is Alabama going to take advantage of that fact and that not be a burden? You, you, in Alabama, we don't want that to be a burden. We don't want it to be great. We got to run against another stack box. No, what 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 ideally you want to say is, oh, awesome, awesome. They're moving up the safeties. Now we can score. Now we get the cheap one. Now we can run the slant. We can run the post. We can run three verticals. Uh, how is Alabama going to take advantage? of it when the other team overplays the run that you know is coming and and that will kind of be the offensive question in my mind Luke all season long uh one other thing that I, I want to add here and again I'm, I'm only I don't want to regurgitate things from various websites but I think it's interesting because we're trying to piece together this puzzle we weren't at the scrimmage so we're trying to do the best we can um he said it's too soon to call the left tackle competition between Proctor and Pritchett uh Proctor started but had his hands full with that the defensive line, which is, you know, hey, look, I'm going to tell you something. I like that. I, I'm If Proctor were dominating our defensive line, everybody can say, woo, yeah, Caden Proctor. I'm like, oh, no, 
our defensive line. So th- this is one of those where it was pretty – It was. it's better for me. I want to hear Caden Proctor is not – I don't want to use the word struggling, but at least uh, becoming acclimated to a- SEC play, big-time college football right now. I don't want to hear – he came in from Iowa, who, and I know he's a monster. I know he's a superstar. I don't want to hear he came in from Iowa high school and is dominating our current defensive line. I think that would have been a bad sign. Well, in the middle of Tennessee game, I mean, it's just one dress rehearsal. It's just one. And uh, no, no, uh, you know, not trying to demean whoever happens to be middle Tennessee's defensive end, but that person is not, is not Dallas Turner or Chris Braswell. And they're probably not Plundarius Robinson or Jeremiah Alexander, to be honest. I mean, they're probably not. So Caden Proctor is going to have that middle Tennessee game to get your feet wet sort of a situation you know it's a good dress rehearsal you're playing against a solid team and uh and and then week two then it gets real because uh texas is going to be bringing a dude i mean you know you may say hey look at the stats last year texas defense wasn't that great yet yet you you go block their defensive end I, i assure you texas puts dudes on the field now they might not be firing on all cylinders all you know 60 minutes of every game all year i think that's a thing with sark I mean, you know, we'll talk about the Texas game when the Texas game gets here. But one thing Sark has been famous for, I'm just being honest here, is Sark has sort of found a way to lose three or four games. I mean, even with a good team. And I'm talking about at Washington. I'm talking about at Southern Cal. And in his, his uh, season at, at, at Texas, his two seasons at Texas, he, he has found a way uh, to, to find some losses when you know the team he's put on the field is better than the team uh, on the other side of the line of scrimmage. So uh, now we'll, we'll see if that continues because this probably uh, – this might be the most talented team Sark has coached. Uh, I mean, I'd have to go back and look at a couple of the Southern Cal teams, but this Texas team probably is. And uh, I'm a believer in Quinn Ewers. I, you know, that kid cut his hair, and I think that's, that's – weirdly, that's what it took. He cut his hair, and I think he's a different kid. Reverse Sampson. Uh, okay, let's talk a little LinkedIn right now. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100, and I'm not screwing around, 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team and helps you find them faster and for free. All you got to do is go to the LinkedIn Jobs website, add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to and helps you find them faster. Post your job free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions may and probably will apply. Jimmy, as we continue on uh, this podcast journey this week, we will talk more about um, recruit commits coming up. We will talk more about the scrimmage coming up. Everybody's excited about that. I hope it's not as hot Saturday. Um, We'll see. And uh, we'll talk about all that. But right now, um, I want to talk about something else from uh, the, the article I mentioned earlier. This really caught my eye. Um, and again, this is just an opinion of, of John Talty, who's worked at L.com now, works at 24 7. 
But he said he thinks this is a two-man race at quarterback now between Milrow and Simpson. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with him um, because I've heard nothing from Buckner that makes me think, oh, Buckner's really setting the world on fire, right? Um, and Milrow and Simpson have been there. And I'm, I'm really okay with either one that we go with. Um, he seems to hint at here, and maybe, again, maybe that's not his intent, that Milrow – has a leg up again I I agree with him right now and again I'm fine with that because as I said many times on this very podcast that if all things are equal and all quarterbacks are pretty good let's not even call them great let's say all quarterbacks are the same level whatever it is good bad indifferent whatever I think it's best for Alabama if Jalen Milrow wins the gig because I think he's the most marketable of the three and the best for brand expansion so i like that um he just seems to point that out and i tend to agree with him uh and i'm i'm here for it i'm down with it well one thing about about that and about milrow in terms when you say all things are equal in my mind all things won't ever be equal because ty simpson and tyler buckner are above average athletes for the position and they're both really good with their legs Milrow's unreal with his legs. I mean, he, he that, that, that's a real game changer. We know that going in. When Jalen Milrow scrambles, whether it's, he goes back to pass, he can't find anybody to throw the ball to, or whether it's a designed quarterback run, or whether it's an RPO that's literally an option play where he gives it, throws it, or keeps it. When he keeps it, he is a threat to score, which is not something you'd say about a lot of quarterbacks. I would even say Jaden Daniels. I believe the LSU quarterback, Jaden Daniels, led the whole nation in rushing from the quarterback position a year ago. But I wouldn't necessarily say that when LSU has the ball in an SEC game on their own 15-yard line, that Jaden Daniels is a threat to go 85 yards and score. If he's done that, I apologize. I I don't remember it. Now, he's a 20-yard play, a 30-yard play, maybe a 40-yard play threat, and I'm not diminishing the threat that he is with his legs. I'm just saying – Jalen Milrow can score from his own 15 against an SEC defense because when he gets up his head of steam, two things. Number one, we already know, I think he was timed in that run against Arkansas that he was running 23 miles an hour, at least 22. That makes him exceptionally fast for a wide receiver. I mean, he can go. Secondly, he's doing it at well over 220 pounds which means a lot of the DBs are going to bounce off that guy. I think he needs to do a better job. I had a good buddy yesterday tell me this, a real smart football guy, and he's like, you know what we haven't really seen Milrow take advantage of either is as a runner so far, what we've seen from him is the speed game, you know, because he's so fast, you know, in a linear speedway. But what we really need to see from Milrow that's also going to be helpful is he needs to be a little more Tebow, you know, Tebow was a great runner, but I would also say that Tebow was a fullback. Tebow found tough yards. When it was third and two, who did you want the ball in his hands? Tebow. Tebow was going to make a first down on third and two. He was going to run over a linebacker or run through the play because Tebow ran like a 225-pound fullback. We haven't seen that out of Milrow, but we know that Milrow's got it. This is a big, strong kid, so not only can he – run 22 miles an hour like he's Isaiah Bond. 
I think he can also run like a fullback and be Alabama's best short yardage guy. So there's more to Milrow's game with his legs than just what we've seen so far. To say nothing of improved passing, because this is what I have a hard time believing, Luke. While I, I, I'm not saying that Ty Simpson and Tyler Buckner are NFL ready, and if Milrow beat them out, wow, he must be something else as a passer. But what I would say is that Milrow – uh, is going to be improved as a passer from what we saw last year. He will be because most kids improve. Most kids do. As most kids age, as most kids spend time with the coaches, they improve. And and I think we're going to see a better passer. Are we going to see a kid that's ready to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft? That's just silly. No, we won't. But what we're going to see is an improved passer and a guy who is an absolute threat with his with his legs and uh, maybe that's ultimately what's proving the difference here in this race. Because I agree with the writer that uh, we're, we're if, you know, we're, we're far from Milrow being named a starter, but but we certainly seem to be trending heavily in that direction, right? And it does. And and again, I think that people need to be excited about that. I mean, I, I really can be excited about whoever wins it. I'm not scared of it. You know, there there's a, a faction of folks out there who seem like they're scared if Milrow wins it. They're probably a little scared if Buckner wins it because we don't know much about him. All we know is he's thrown several pick sixes and looked okay against South Carolina in the bowl game, right? Um, and so I guess that a lot of people are looking at the Ty Simpson thing as maybe that's the safest bet. I, I don't know, but it feels like, it, you know, just talking to friends who are ancillary Bama fans, they, they are concerned if it's Milrow or Buckner. Not so much that they just love Ty Simpson, that they feel like he's the lesser of three evils. And really, I, I sort of look at it the other way. I think Milrose is the safest bet and and has the best ceiling. That That's my take on it. Um, but, you know, I, again, I'm going to pull for whoever it is. So, Jimmy, let's take a break. That are, the people that Milrow makes real nervous are the people that watched him play against Texas A&M, where he threw the interception, he almost threw two others, and he fumbled twice. And they think that that's going to be Jalen every week. And I, what I'll say is, well, maybe, but here's an idea too. He was a freshman making his first start in a volatile high pressure situation. Let's give him a chance now that he's in a sophomore now. Like Bear Bryant used to say, the best thing about freshmen is they, they become sophomores. And uh, I, 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 I'm going to chalk it up to youth until I see him doing that all the time as an older player. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some guys that could be committing to Alabama very soonly. And we're back. And I also know soonly isn't a word. Uh, although, huh? I like, I like it. I might use it all the time. That's a good one. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, mm -hmm. Let's talk about some of these guys that may be committing to Alabama soon. Let's go ahead and start with Drake Kirkpatrick Jr., um, a bigger kid than his dad. It's so funny. Like yesterday, I was just flipping through Twitter and or X or whatever it's called, um, and there uh, highlights of the Alabama-Arkansas game from 2010 came up. That may be the uh, – the, there are two times I remember Drake Kirkpatrick from Alabama. Now, I know – I remember him being great, right? He was good, and he – all-American, all those things, first-round pick. But the two plays I remember from Dre were, uh, number one, when he – I think it was him that got burned against 
was it him that got burned against Florida in 2011, like the first play of the game? I think it was. And then the other play, let's say I already remember one and a half because I'm not even sure that was him. The other play is when he intercepted Ryan Mallett uh, uh, against Arkansas late in the game to preserve the win. We had just scored with like three minutes left. That 2010. Yeah, that was 2010. And then in 2010, we also played – I think we played Florida at home and beat the ever-living stuffing out of them, and then we played them on the road in 11, and I think he got burned on the first play of the game, like for a long touchdown. And then we went on to blow them out. But That was the A.J. calm the the, uh, fudge down. Was that that game? Yeah, that was the 2011 A.J. when when Nick Saban famously was trying to get A.J. to settle down. (laughs) All right, well, let's uh, – what do you think about – what do you think about Dre K Jr., Dre KJ as a uh, player? Super excited. Let me first just say from a nostalgia. I mean, I think his dad is not only fresh in our minds and playing for Nick Saban. It's such a great story that dad and son potentially playing for, for Nick Saban. That's just fun. And particularly with dad being such a popular player. Dad was a great player. He was very popular. He had a good NFL career. I spent some of the last few days looking at at his NFL career to remind me it was actually better than people think. I know he was a first round pick and, and there's a lot of expectations to go with that. And we could argue forever, whether he played up to where he was drafted, but you're talking about a 10 year NFL career, eight years with the team that drafted him re-signed. Not only did they pick up the fifth year of the option year, which is a lot of money, they re-signed him. So the Bengals were happy with Dre Kirkpatrick. So he played out two full four-year contracts with the Bengals before trying to catch on with the Cardinals, trying to catch on with the 49ers. And while it didn't work out, he started games for the Cardinals and for the 49ers. Uh, Spot Track says that, that career earnings in the $50 million range, Dre had a really nice NFL career. Uh, there wasn't Pro Bowls or MVPs or – and, of course, the – Bengals during that time were, weren't as good as the Bengals are right now. They struggled to make the playoffs most of those years. So I think it's really cool that a really popular, a recent player's popular player's son could be committing to Alabama. Now, in terms of the player, this is this is my thing about Dre. You know, I usually do on BOL, I do a, a fun, uh, I call it roll the tape, which is every time I'm, I'm really optimistic that Alabama's about to land a commitment or after the fact when Alabama lands a commitment, I'll put up the huddle tape and sort of break it down and say, hey, watch this, watch this. These are the traits we're getting in this kid and this is what he's really good at and this is what he's got to work on. Um, I, I don't even know that I'm going to watch Dre's junior tape. I haven't yet. I, I, I've never seen the tape. I just know the kid by reputation. And the thing is, I'm sort of hesitant to watch it at all, Luke, and this is why. Alabama, very familiar with Dre during his whole time at Gadsden City, never offered him until they saw him at camp until the end of this summer when reportedly he's grown an inch and a half or more and put on good weight and has gotten faster. So we're talking about since his junior year, his junior season in the huddle tape, all we would be showing is his junior year, since that time, bigger heavier, faster, different kid. So I might wait until Gadsden's played a a game or two and we get some senior year footage of Dre Jr. before I look at it and and say, hey, this is what we're getting. Because apparently the kid blossomed late. 
happens all the time. For people out there, like, what does that mean? It happens all the time. As a matter of fact, I won't be surprised one of the commitment of, you know, Daniel Hill chooses South Carolina over Alabama, which is very possible. Alabama is still going to be looking for a running back this fall. But I'm telling people, hey, don't panic. There are senior year running backs that blossom all the time with a very recent obvious one being Josh Jacobs, who had absolutely no Division One offers going into his senior year. And look at him now, maybe the best running back in the NFL. Uh, so Josh Jacobs just being a recent example of a running back that was a late developer. And I think Dre Jr., uh, even with that name, is also a late developing prospect. You know, I, I like that. It's sort of funny um, because you can get – just like with Jalen Milrow, some guys have that Texas A&M game in their minds, and it's going to be so tough to pull that out. Like, I don't care what he does against Middle Tennessee. I don't care what he does against Texas. People are always going to be like, yeah, but he has that – he's a turnover-prone machine, and you're right about that. And so you don't want to taint what you are going to think about Drake Kirkpatrick by studying film that may be irrelevant to what he is now. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? If he, if he has that's changed exactly that much. Right. Yeah, so that's exactly what you said about turnover. Brian. This is what I, I'm you – know, it's going to drive me crazy. So I'm going to talk to a therapist or something before it happens so I don't go crazy. But we play Middle Tennessee at the second quarter and Milrow throws an interception or Milrow fumbles the ball. People are going to put their, their, their head in their hands and say, I knew it. I knew it. I knew this was – this is what he is. This, this is what he is. If Ty Simpson started the game and, 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 and committed a turnover, know what everybody would say? Well, he's young. That's right. You're he's absolutely right. Young, what young people do. And I'm like, give, give Milrow the latitude to make some mistakes. He's going to make mistakes. He is. Who led the NFL in interceptions a year ago? Dak Prescott. Who was second? Josh Allen. <laughs> they make mistakes. It's a difficult sport. So – if he's not given the latitude to make some errors, then we're not giving him the latitude to make plays. We don't want Jalen Milrow, the game manager. We want Jalen Milrow to throw 80-yard touchdown passes and run 80 yards for a touchdown because that's what he can do. He's capable of doing those things. And if you just get him so so frozen because he's scared to make a mistake, then you're not getting the best play out of him you can get either. No, you, just have to live with, you have to live with some errors. You know, that is funny. That's what's right. I mean, because people are going to be like, hey, just run 80 yards for a touchdown again like you did for our yesterday. So I know he didn't score a touchdown on that, but just just do that again. Why don't you just do that? Well, because it's difficult. It's Division One football. Anywho, uh, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you guys so much for chiming in. Thank you for subscribing to my buddy, Sports Hario. Hario. Jimmy, are you still there? I'm there. He froze for like 30 seconds, but it was just 30 seconds. So I think you can you can begin again. You froze right when you were uh, giving a shout out to your uh, kid buddy, Sports Hario. That's when it froze. So do okay. that again and we're good. All right, but shout out to Sports Hario. Go follow him on YouTube. And until next time, roll tight, everybody. Roll tight. I don't know what happened. Yeah, uh, it just froze. But it was, again, it was less. I was looking at the clock. It was less than thirty seconds. Okay. Really, more like about twenty-two seconds. All right, we can do uh, uh, tomorrow. Uh, 